this. I actually have a, a, a better story about my name that I forgot well, to mention. Sleep. Yeah. Tell us in a second. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, we can go ahead. Oh, Brother, Not Another <laughs> Podcast is a co production of Verso Studios and the incredible new Westport Library. I'm Trace Burroughs. And I'm Migs Burroughs. And uh, spoiler alert for anyone who gets Edible Nutmeg Magazine, our guest today is uh, Rachel Precious, one of the heroines of Connecticut cuisine. And. Um, she is the, I guess, your proprietor of Precious Oysters. Mm-hmm. That's right. What is it, Tied to Table? Tied to Table Shucking Service. Right. Shucking Service. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how do you promote, how do people hear about you, you the service? Um, up to, it's just been word of mouth so far. I had, um, I'm about just over one year in business. So going into my second summer. And um, yeah, it's just been word of mouth. Um, social media, of course, has been a great help. But also I work full time for Cops Island Oysters in Norwalk, so... That's actually where most of my gigs come in. In the, in the beginning, most of them were coming from um, people would call up the shop and they say, oh, I love your oysters. want to have them at my party, but I just can't shuck them or I don't want to shuck, you know, 100 plus oysters. And so um, I actually have a background in event production. Um, and so then I took that experience and when I started working at the farm and hearing all these phone calls coming in, I thought, well, I know how to throw a party. I know how to be a server and talk to people, but I also know how to shuck an oyster and I can talk about the oysters. I'm not just serving them. I'm talking to people about how they grow, where they grow, mm. the flavor profiles, everything like that. So, so people would call up and they'd be looking for a shucker and the company used to say, oh, maybe we can send somebody over. I don't know. Then I started being like, me, me, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> send me. And so I was doing events for Cops Island for a little while and then just started doing my own. I made my own brand and my own company. Do you have to stay like a party? You know, they hire you. Do you have to be there from start to the end of the party? No, it's usually about a two-hour gig. Uh Yeah, most of them are things like small dinner party. Well, I've done everything from a small dinner party of eight people up to um, last summer I did a beer festival with 3,000 people. Wow. Yeah, and everything in between. So weddings, um, some corporate events, but most of them are about two hours. People... They get all excited and they see the raw bar, they come over, they have a few, and then they kind of make their way to the rest of the food and, and that's it. So it's pretty good. It's just, a, you know, with setup and breakdown all together, it's maybe a, like a three-hour gig. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So it works well with my current schedule of being full-time at the farm. So I'm there like 7 a.m. to maybe 5. <laughs> and in summertime, it's full on. Uh, and then evenings and weekends, I can go do my, my little gigs. You would do other farms then? West, just the farmer's market? Or you mean the oyster farm you're working yeah, full-time? Yeah, yeah, So yeah, I'm full-time right. at Cops Island. So yeah. um, usually Monday so through Saturday. And it's mostly mm-hmm. out on the ship? Yeah. Um, so my main, farming. I do a lot of different things there. Um, I actually started in, in the industry um, in 2016. And I was going out, and this was a, with a different company um, in Stanford. And I'd go out in the boats with the guys every day with big rubber overalls and actually harvest all the oysters. Um, and I loved it. It was really intense. It was like 60 hours a week, any kind of weather, rain, snow, anything. Um, but nowadays, so now I'm with Cops Island and I mostly run the nursery. So I grow the little babies from the time they're like a speck of sand to uh, about an inch. And then once they get to be that big, we put them out in the open water. How so do, I'm kind of the oyster mama. How do pearls get in the oysters? I just thought <laughs> Good question. Yeah. <laughs> so essentially a pearl is just a little irritant that gets inside the oyster when it's... Um, when it's filter feeding, so the shell opens up a little bit and sucks in water and sometimes other things like little bits of plastic or sand or um, just little irritants. So the babies, that, let's call them baby oysters that you raise, do they ever end up with pearls in them? Sometimes. You know, actually, funny story. So I, on average, um, I shuck maybe, in the, in the slow season, I'll shuck me, me like 200 oysters a week. 
busy season, summertime with when I'm doing like three or four events a week, I'm shucking close to maybe a thousand oysters a week. And I've never found a pearl. But at the farmer's market in, um, in New Canaan last year, somebody bought a dozen oysters, came back the next week and said, oh, I found a pearl in one of your, and I thought, what? That's not, how is that fair? <laughs> yeah. how, I don't understand. Give it back. That's mine, actually. <laughs> so I've never found one. But yeah, it's a little irritant that gets inside the oyster, and um, the oyster produces this calcium carbonate sort of uh, material that it makes its shell with. But so it starts to coat that little irritant in that same material, the shell material. And just keeps coating it and coating it to make it like a nice, soft, round shape. So the um, pearls on a pearl necklace, are they really directly from oysters? Or are they yeah. shaped or polished? Or do um, not, are they just right depends. out of the... Sh- like, yeah. yeah, the ones oh. I'm wearing right now, these are from... They'd be from a pearl farm. So they're very okay. cultured. Right. Like they take a small piece of plastic. It's a little plastic bead and put it... They'll insert it inside the oyster oh, and, and they monitor it. them. Yeah, Because yeah. exactly. I've seen the, the mutant <clears throat> ones, you know. I don't know what they call Yeah, well, like, na- like that would be a natural pearl. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they can be all weird, wonky That's right. shapes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you were, what's the way to find out more about oysters? Pretend you're an oyster. Here we're interviewing Rachel the oyster. What? Mm-hmm. Get to, what's your life like? Where do you know? How long is your life? How do you? St- how tiny are you when you're mm-hmm. born? And where do you? Yeah. Yeah. And what do you so, eat? What's your diet? <laughs> and you know. When a mama love oyster loves a daddy oyster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're having that talk. Yeah. Okay. That, I know we just met, but <laughs> but it's um it's a pretty interesting life cycle. But, yeah. Um. So when the water gets to be about, I think it's about seventy eight degrees, um, it'll trigger the adult oysters to spawn. And actually, oysters are hermaphroditic or hermaphrodites. Mm. So if there are a bunch of male oysters releasing sperm in the water. The other oysters are like, well, there's a lot of sperm here, so let's become female oysters and put out um, eggs. It's kind of crazy. So they can go either so way. They have to be close. Do they have to touch? They're, they're kind of no. like ACDC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. Right. Sorry. So the, uh, they'll release the eggs and sperm in the water. They don't have to be next yeah. to each other, but they yeah. just kind just of all mixes in the water column. Mm-hmm. And um, so once the egg is fertilized, it just takes, within a couple hours, I believe, a little tiny larvae forms. And it looks just like an adult oyster, but it's microscopic. Mm. Uh, and they actually have what's called a foot, which is kind of more like a fin, to be honest, but it's called a foot. And that um, the baby oyster will swim, swim around for about two to three weeks, and it's looking for um, a hard substrate to attach to. So either um, rocks, pieces of driftwood, but ideally other oyster shells. Um, so that's why in, their, in our business, in the oyster industry, it's very important to return oyster shells to the water oh, and make really? sure that we have. Because so th- if you put an old shell back in the water, all the larvae will attach to that. And once they oh. attach to it, that's where they live forever. Oh. Yeah. And so um, we do a oyster shell recycling program at Cops Island. And actually, a lot of other oyster farms do that. Um, so they ask their restaurants to return the oysters in a bucket. Um, I know there's a group in the city that goes around and collects the oysters. And yeah, we put the shells back in the beds, and the whole cycle starts all over again. Now, what makes my son, who lives in Boston, who was eating at a restaurant, told me this a few months ago. Um, and he ordered oysters, and he said, these are the best oysters I've ever had. Where do these come from? And the waiter went back and came back and said, they come from Westport, Connecticut. Nice. So what makes Westport oysters special, and how far mm-hmm. do you, as an oyster, travel? I mean, where, how far do you get around? Yeah, so uh, technically any oyster found on the East Coast that grows in the East Coast is the same species. It's called uh, Crassostrea virginica. And so, um, but where they're grown and how they're grown, it's kind of like wine grapes. It's, we call it the, the meroir, like wine has terroir, we've got meroir. So even though they're the same species, 
Um, an oyster from Maine will taste totally different than an oyster from Florida. And even within Connecticut, mm. if you've got an oyster that grows up in Mystic, where it's at the mouth of the Long Island Sound, that'll be a lot saltier than one down in Greenwich. Mm. Um, and it also depends where the oysters are grown, if they're grown on like a, a muddy substrate or more of a rocky substrate, uh, how the water flows dictates what kind of food they're getting. So, yeah, so Westport, Norwalk, like that, the island chain we have out here on Kikini, um, that's just the prime area for growing oysters, just based on, like I was saying, the, the way the water flows, the substrate, um, the natural, the ecosystems out there. Yeah. And they've cleaned up the water. How's that now? Yeah, it's so it's, it's, a, it's kind of a sensitive, uh, not a sensitive topic, but when people say, oh, oysters are good for cleaning up pollution, they'll then often say, oh, but I don't want to eat them because they're now full of pollution. So what it technically is, the oysters, they're not eating things like, they're not consuming, say, um, oil runoff or... Mm. Um, heavy metals or things like that. They're consuming things like excess nitrogen and what would what would cause an, like an algae bloom, for example. So they're good uh, for controlling, like I was saying, excess algae, um, but they're not going to be sucking up toxic chemicals that you'll then eat. Um, and if they do absorb or consume things like um, when it rains, you have to be, be very careful not to harvest anything after, um, I believe it's an inch, if you get an inch and a half of rain within um, 24 hours, we're not allowed to harvest any oysters for up to a week. Um, any of the oysters that we grow close to land because of runoff. So, oh. yeah, things like lawn fertilizers, mm. um, geese poo, stuff like that, all goes in the water. Um, but the oysters will naturally cleanse themselves after a couple days. Mm -hmm. um, so after seven days, we can guarantee that they're safe to eat. So like you harvest when you harvest your oysters and you you set up the bed you're talking about. It, so you have to go back to the beds. Can you can you go off and say, well, I'm gonna try a mile out there. Yeah, that's how we do it. So um, Cops Island is a very large company. They have a lot of different beds. So some of the beds are very close to land and we can grow them there, um, but we can't necessarily harvest from those beds. So um, for example, the beds that are close to close to shore might have better nutrients for the baby oysters. They'll grow quickly. Um, but then we have to move them out to uh, for waters that are further away. So they can cleanse what's called, they can depurate. Um, so after they spend a certain amount of time further away from land, they're safe to eat. So does Cobbs have to like rent those, those water area? With these? So they lease. They either they own or lease. Um, what it technically is, you can't own the ocean floor. You can't own ocean space. But you can own the right to farm in that area. So, um, you or you can lease the right. What's that? You have to go to the state. To the state or the town. It depends. Every yeah. area is different. Um, but I know, for example, like I think Jeff Northup in the Mill Pond. I went to school with him. Yeah. I was yeah. Bring him up later. Yeah. So he's got a pretty interesting growing area. I don't know the full story, but for example, he has the right to to grow and farm oysters yeah. there. Mm -hmm. So what what is the from seed to harvest or whatever? What is the time span? It depends. Up around here, it'd be about two and a half years. If you go right. to areas that are warmer, like in Florida, they grow because in the winter time, oysters stop growing. So. There, the peak growing season is from about April through September. After that, the growth slows down. They start to, um, they actually get ready to hibernate. So they're eating a lot. Mm. And actually, wintertime is the best time to eat oysters. Uh, not necessarily because of that rule, the, the months with R. Have you heard about that? <laughs> no. Uh, no. So people say, oh, it's only safe to eat oysters months that have the letter R, September, mm. October, November. So that's from back in the day when people didn't have proper icing techniques and temperature control um, procedures. So there is a certain kind of bacteria that's in all seafood. Um, but if the seafood is kept below a certain temperature, that bacteria is almost non-existent. It's fine. It's safe. But if the seafood gets to be above a certain temperature, that bacteria grows like crazy. And it can be very, it can make you very sick. So in the, in the winter, it would be cold, so you knew it was safe to eat. 
Um, but also in the summertime is when oysters spawn. So they're using all their energy to produce the eggs and the sperm. And the meat's just thinner. It's a little more translucent. So winter is definitely the safest time of year, of year to eat them. But they also just taste the best. And they're really fat and juicy. In the winter. Mm-hmm. So, but they're hibernating. Right. Meaning they're not growing, but they're oh, still yeah. <clears throat> they're still feeding a little bit. They're still alive. Um, but my like for example, my job with the the nursery stuff is is very calm in the winter because they're not really doing anything. So when you're at a, an event and you're shuck, is that oyster? Is that a, a living thing? When you until as soon as you, you shuck open it, it until until you open it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. But uh, technically, oysters don't have a brain and no central nervous system. I so beg your pardon. Just like us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? We Just didn't know that so much in common. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You learned something, right? <laughs> so you don't need to feel guilty about eating a okay. live animal. Uh, it's actually a conversation I like to have with vegans is, you know, I, I kind of call them meat plants because mm. they're essentially, they have a nervous system that will respond to stimuli just in the same way that a Venus flytrap will. Right. If you touch it, it closes up, right? Reflex, yeah. But they don't have any central nervous system, like I said, no brain. Mm. So as far as we know, there's no way for them to process pain, at least in the same way that right. humans and mammals and other living things process pain. So it's like, what's the difference between a plant and an oyster? So going, oh my God, here comes Rachel. Right. No. Yeah, no, I mean, they will a... clam up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or oyster up. Right, right. <clears throat> mm-hmm. and, and what about the nutrients? What does it, you know, there's all sorts of legends about oysters and their, their, their whatever, their nutrients. What what do they, what do they have? What did you know what their They're really high breakdown in iron. is? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I believe clam, oh, what was it? Clams, I think, are one of the top sources of iron, more than mm. the meat, more than a lot of leafy oh, greens. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very low in calories, very low in sugars, obviously. Uh, yeah, they're all around a really great thing to eat. Now, is, would a purist put, you know, people put the cocktail sauce or put this, I mean, should they just be mm-hmm. eating plain? Is that the, I, I mean, I always kind of laugh. People come up, come up to yeah. me at events and they say, oh, I love oysters, they're so excited, and they grab one and then they dump all the juice out, <laughs> all the liquor, and I'm like, oh, okay. All right, well, I see where this is going. And then they take a big <laughs> scoop of the cocktail sauce. And I'm like, what? You could just ask me for a bowl and a spoon for the cocktail sauce. <laughs> yeah, right. like, yeah. Save the oysters for somebody else. <laughs> just a vehicle for the other right. stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you meet a real oyster enthusiast, they like to have them just straight up plain. Maybe a drop of lemon juice. I personally like mignonette sauce, which is, um, everyone's got their own recipe, but it's basically a red wine vinegar, shallots, and cracked pepper mm. kind of concoction. But people, I add honey to mine. It kind of takes the edge off. People with Tasco um, sauce. Some people use Tabasco sauce, uh, Tabasco. But, but for a mini net, you wouldn't. Um, I know the Welk does a jalapeno kind of mm. uh, blend. It's really good. Mm. Yeah, sweet and a little bit of spicy. Mm-hmm. So a little bit about your background and what you've done, you know, before you got into the oysters. What haven't um, I done? My gosh. What haven't you done? <laughs> what is Ningbing? Oh, the Ningbing. Oh, that's my favorite. <laughs> so the Ningbing is the world's smallest marsupial. So, you know, marsupials are mammals that have a pouch. Yeah. So the Ningbing looks just like a little mouse. It's tiny. Yeah. It has a little pouch. It's really cute. And um, and they're native to only a very specific area in Australia. And so I was part of a research project that was... um, we were looking at the Ningbing, but in order, like it's it's territory and what is it great? But in order to to study that, we had to study the entire ecosystem. So, like, what's preying on them? What are their food sources? Things like that. So, um, I came, got very close and personal with things like the king brown snake, scorpions. Oh, lots those of are toads. deadly. Right? They're very yeah. deadly. Yeah. yeah. But the thing is, the king brown snake looks uh, almost identical to the regular brown snake they have over there. The only way to tell the difference is by looking at the scales in the stomach. So you like you see it on the ground. Oh. You're like, well, 
I'm just going to be afraid. I'm just going to, like, by default, I'm just going to be afraid. <laughs> so you're just studying them, like, scientifically. Yeah, for, this is yeah. for the Australian Wildlife Conservancy. I was just doing, um, so my degree is in conservation biology, mm-hmm. but that was all uh, terrestrial-based studies. So when I graduated college, I wanted to get out in the world and see, either I had so many interests, didn't know what I wanted to do. So I figured I would just do different volunteer things. So I did, um, one of them was this research project in Australia. Migs, did you know that Rachel made large-scale puppets at one point? Oh, in yeah, there? I did. No. <laughs> also, <laughs> also in Australia. different research platforms <laughs> uh-huh. here. No, I had no idea. Really? Also, well, for that, <laughs> by day I was studying humpback whales, and by night I was making and performing in giant puppet costumes. <laughs> oh, you were in the costume? Yeah, yeah. For so I'd get These are the... Yeah, with the pulleys and yeah, the yeah. sticks and... Is this like a performance troupe or something? Yeah, so I worked oh. with a woman, and she used to work with this uh, puppet troupe. It's... Um, world-renowned. Um, they would travel all over the world, China, all over the U.S., in these giant, giant costumes. I'm talking like as tall as the ceiling here. And they would do these performances all over the world. So I worked with a woman who used to be with them, and she did performances in particular um, using local indigenous species. And so we would make like a giant finch costume or a giant lizard costume because those species were native to this part of Australia. Then we would go and we would do festivals. We would go to really remote areas and communities that didn't have access to education and to learn about their own world. So I would go in dressed as a giant canary and dance around. The kids would be like, oh, my gosh, what is this? So you'd buy the materials and construct yeah. the, the Yeah, we would use bamboo and different uh, materials to yeah. lash together, like, the frame of the costume and then wear it. Was it a one person? Because, you know, in Chinatown yeah. they do the dragons and there's 20 people in the dragon. This is one right? person, yeah. Yeah, one person mm-hmm. thing. Or, well, it would be one person in the costume <clears> and then each person had um, oh. a guide with them. Which is funny because the first performance I did, you have a little piece of mesh somewhere so that you can see through, that you can see what you're doing. Oh. <laughs> But we didn't really take into consideration um, the layout. So the, the first performance we did, the lights, it was outside. Um, and there's a bunch of bonfires and people sitting around everywhere. And there were these big lights on us. And the lights actually just kind of bl- like blinded us. We couldn't see through our mesh. It was just very poorly planned. <laughs> so I was essentially blind. And I had to rely on my guide 100%. She'd be like, okay, two steps front. Now step up your foot. There's a flaming log. <laughs> and there's a small child. Step to the left. <laughs> and it was such an amazing exercise in just listening and trusting the sure. person I was with. And we noticed when we came in here, you had a small bag, and I'm presuming you brought yeah. us ham sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. well, I, I ate that on the way. But, um, <laughs> yeah. but I but did bring some oysters if you oh, wanted to learn wonderful. a little. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, a I haven't had oysters in so long. Oh, my god! I got some weird fear of, uh, you know, shellfish. I have no reason mm-hmm. to be because well, I no, love no, oysters. You do because, like I said, if they're not handled properly, if they're not kept at the right temperature, you can get really sick. So yeah. I'm really diligent about Even my friends are like, oh, I don't need to have ice in that bag. I'm like, yes, you do. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm very diligent about uh, following the rules because I don't want to be. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I have my little shucking bag. I oh, bring to all no. my events. It's a very thick material, and I've got all my knives inside. And there's there's a lot of different kinds of knives, different styles. Some of them are, are curved, <clears throat> a little curve like that. Some have a round handle at the back. Um, some are flat, like this one here. If I'm going to shuck... Um, you know, 500 oysters in two hours, I need to have a round handle because this, I learned the hard way, this flat back will give you a nice blister oh, right okay. in the And you wear gloves though, right? You I always wear, wear gloves, gloves, yeah. Um, but you actually wear the glove. Uh, so I'm, I'm right-handed, so I hold the oyster in my left hand and the left hand is where you, is where you wear the glove because that's where the knife will go if you Ooh, yes. yeah. <laughs> So um, I always tell people, the colder the oysters are, the easier they are to open. But you don't want to freeze them, but maybe put them in the freezer for like five minutes or so, or just keep them on ice. Um, 
And then I have my little cloth. So if you don't have a glove, you can always use a nice thick kitchen cloth. You just want to protect your hand in some way because um, either the knife could just slip or sometimes the shell will break. I always found, do you, I mean, I've shucked a, a clam, but the more obvious the edge, yeah. where yeah. oysters have that <clears throat> rough riff, you know. Fr- yeah. yeah, right, the crevice. Frill, so frilly kind of edges or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what the word <laughs> adjective Scalloped is. edges. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like how do you, you find the opening with those things? Well, so yeah. everyone's got their own way of doing yeah. it. Um, but just to show you real quick, so a clam knife is only sharp on one edge. So you wouldn't want to use an oyster knife for a clam. Um, but uh, and like I was saying, the oyster knives can be curved. I like a straight blade. Um, so could it be a pa- if you're doing it at home when you don't have the special, could you use a paring knife or something like that? They're usually not uh, strong enough. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Um, so I would say if you don't have an oyster knife, you can always use a flathead screwdriver. But it's going to be oh. a little more difficult. Mm, yeah. But you just want something really strong with a bit of a point on it. Um, so I've got my... Mm-hmm. Where's my? Yeah, I got my oyster knife. Here's my clam knife, uh, glove, cloth, and then you're pretty much good to go. So here's this guy. So um, the cup side, this nice rounded cup, that's actually the bottom shell. Mm-hmm. So in the wild, see that little flat mm, part right yeah. there? That's where it would be attached to either rock or another oyster or something. So that's going to be the side facing down. And when you're just starting out, you can use a table. I actually just shuck in my hand, though I find it easier. Um, if you're using a table, you want to use your left hand, the hand that's going to be holding the oyster, just to kind of keep the oyster in place. Um, you're not going to be pressing down the oyster, but just hold it steady. And then with your right hand, your shucking hand, you take your knife, and it's called the hinge. It's where the shell comes together at the back in kind of a point. And so you put your knife in there in the hinge. And again, just keeping it steady with this hand, you're going to put the knife in the hinge and just sort of it's wiggle like a it. 45 degree, I'm just, since nobody yeah, can see this, go, sort of like a 45 right. degree angle maybe. You want to go with yeah. the shape of the shell. Yeah. So not directly down <clears> and not <throat> totally to the side, but just going with the, the curve of the shell. So you put your knife in there and you're going to kind of just gently apply a little bit of pressure, but just kind of wiggle the knife up and down. And you can also turn it side to side like a key almost. Mm-hmm. And you'll see it just sort of pops. Oh, yeah. It pops mm. just like that. So when it pops, it, take your knife out. Go ahead. Oh, no. I'm just uh, – the only time with clams, too, there, there was always a muscle you had to, like – Yep, or, that's the next step. Okay. There mm-hmm. is, that has it, too? Yeah. Okay. yeah. And oh. so even though the oysters are very well washed before you get them, there's – some stuff will get in that hin- the hinge back there. So when you pop it like that, pull your knife mm-hmm. out and just wipe your knife off so you don't get any of this mud inside. So then put the knife back in that hinge that now it should be nice and loose. Mm. See that? Yeah. And just kind of wiggle the knife again, turning it side to side like a key almost. And then you're going to take the knife and drag it along the inside of the top shell. And you'll feel you'll hit that muscle. Oh, okay. So you're going to sever that muscle. You're going to drag it really close along the inside of that shell and sever the muscle. So I got a little Mm. bit of mud inside, which Mm. is not harmful. You can just kind of dump it out like that. Now, can you tell... By color, that there's a healthy oyster, not that it wouldn't be, but... You would know, yeah. If, it's, know. if the oyster's not good to eat, it'll be dry, first of all. Oh, okay. Very dry. So it wouldn't have that. Yeah. Um, so technically, oysters can live for months out of the water, as long as they're oh, kept really? cold. Oh. If they're cold and dry, they'll live for months. But after about a week, they're circulating the same water inside their shells. So they're just not very fresh. So mm. we always tell people, a week tops, and then put them back in the water. Uh-huh. <laughs> So you cut off the top shell. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the great thing is you don't, yeah. they don't go in the garbage. They don't that's go to right, waste. Yeah. Throw them back in the water where they came from. Um, so what, what I do at events, whatever is not used, I bring back to the farm. And it goes back in the water. So oh. there's zero waste. Oh, what's the lifespan of an oyster? Oh, years and years. They'll live. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't, I don't know the oldest oyster, but they, unless they get um, eaten or they get a disease, they're, they'll just keep going. Yeah. Um, so it's, the muscle is still attached underneath the meat as well. 
Um, so you can see also these on one side of the oyster, these little little frills. These are, these are called the gills of the oyster. Mm. And they're just little layers almost. Um, and that's where the food, the algae and all that comes in. The oyster picks out what it wants and it spits out all the water and the stuff it doesn't want. So underneath this, you can see right here, there's kind of a lump, a big sturdy mass. Mm -hmm. That's the muscle we just cut and it's still attached underneath. Okay. So drag your knife. Actually, turn the shell around. I yeah, drag the knife underneath that muscle right there. Oh. You're kind of scooping it out. Just yeah, 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 just dragging the knife, and then just That's test good. it. Just move the meat around and make sure that it's nice and loose, and then it's good to go. Now the, mm. the liquid you call the did you call it the liquor or the, the liquor? Li mm -hmm. Yeah, mm. okay. So that's the there's nutrients, and you don't like you said you're not supposed to dump it out because that's where right. the good stuff. Although sometimes like I did get a little a bit little of mud in there, so what I would do is I would just I would just dump out a little bit of it. See like that because what happens mm. is. It will, as it sits here for a minute, it will still excrete some more, some more juice or liquor. Mm -hmm. So I haven't, even though it looks like I'm totally dumping it all out, <clears> I'm like, oh, no, no, I'm losing it. It will still, after a minute, make a little bit more. Um, and sometimes you get a little shell in there, so make sure you just pick it out. Nobody wants to crunch their oysters. Hmm. So anybody want to try? Oh, yeah, I will. I haven't had yeah? one like in years. Oh, my gosh. Here you go. Uh, yeah. I have plenty, so. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. Thank you. And the mm -hmm. technique is, should I just slurp dump it, it into my mouth, slurp it in? Slurp it in and thing? give it a couple chews. Some people just suck it right down. I'm like, again, why are mm. you even? <laughs> oh, yeah, because you want to get mm. the mm -hmm. essence. I mean, I love briny, salty things anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. Here. so that was harvested about, what time is it now? <clears throat> it's like three or something? And after three. These mm. came in around one or two. <laughs> so they'll never be that fresh in a restaurant. Yeah, so we'll get into that one. I'm just curious how a restaurant, you go to a restaurant in Boston, mm -hmm. the oysters came from Westport. Mm -hmm. How old would they be? By the time they get to your plate, um, maybe two days. Oh, okay. So they'll, they'll be shipped out. Let me see. Oysters harvested today will go out around 3 o'clock tomorrow, tomorrow morning up to Boston, be in the restaurants by <laughs> noon maybe, and then on your plate that evening. Yeah, okay. So really There's fresh. no loss of... Right. Yeah, no, I love it. It's such a mm -hmm. delicate. So here we go. I've got another oyster going here. And again, I've cut that top. Ooh, we got lucky. We found a pea crab. Do the you know what a pea crab no. is? No. So these little guys are really common. I'd say one out of every five or six oysters in the summertime. They're less common in the winter. It's a little tiny orange hmm. alien looking uh, <laughs> critter. It's, it's, a, it's a face grabber. It's going to go. They say it's lucky good one luck. Is under thing in right. <laughs> now, when you eat it, don't mind the screaming. It, just <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, it is considered a delicacy. Don't mind his screaming. <laughs> <laughs> They say it's good luck. Are you? Do you need some luck right now? Oh. Super Bowl <laughs> Sunday. <never> so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I personally well, don't like to eat them, but um, yeah. But so they, they are edible. Okay. Well, right. it's up to you. I'm, I would pass. So they, when they're babies, they get in the oyster. When the oyster is eating, it opens up a little bit, so the crab, as a baby, will get in there. And it just it doesn't hurt the oyster. It just lives in between the the gills I was showing you, mm -hmm. and it just hangs out and kind of filter feeds as the oyster feeds. Okay. You want to eat them, or I can no, put them. I'm ready. I'll do it. Yeah, you're you, gonna do it. What you're gonna do the crab? No, you said I could eat the. the do you want to? Eat, yeah, yeah the I'm saying crab. I'm saying a, a lot of people do, but some people are. As long as it's okay yeah. to eat, I'll eat it. Because okay. like I tell people at my parties, it's either your belly or the bucket. You yeah, just, you know, because uh, I bring a bucket. You with, oh, okay. <laughs> once you open the oyster, it, it won't survive. So no, if you don't put it out no, of its misery, it's um. You can't put it back in the. There you are. Do you ever get other anomalies like twin? You open it up and there's twins. Are oysters ever um, twins? No. No, there's no. You never get to. Weird. What's the weirdest? The weirdest is just, the crab. just the crab. Mm -hmm. How was that? Delicious. 
fresh, mm, local. Phenomenal. So these are harvested, so, even though Cops Island is based in Norwalk. Um, so that's where the farm is based, but they have grounds all up and down the coast. So they have grounds from Greenwich up to Mystic, and these these specifically came from Westport today. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. So before we have like a minute left, and yeah. you're welcome to keep, but we're just let people know where they can find you for events, and uh, so where, where should they reach you? Yeah, so preciousoysters.com. You can see pictures of my work, but also learn a bit about the oysters and why I do what I do, my backstory. Um, I'm on Instagram, Precious Oysters, and you can always just stop into Cops Island. We've got a retail shop. Is that in Norwalk? It's in East Norwalk. Um, It's right near, there's like Partners Cafe and Overton's and uh, Mr. Frosty's Ice Cream. I've been to an event. I think Earth Place has an event there every year. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I go to and they obviously have the whole clams. And And people come down, I can show them baby oysters. You see the boats coming in. And it's a great way to learn about what's right here in your backyard. A Mm -hmm. lot of people don't know we're back there. You know? So it's, it's, yeah, obviously there's a lot of hard work that Mm -hmm. goes into this. A lot of sweat equity or whatever into just right. producing this delicate tasty morsel from the sea yeah. right yeah I mean I could talk about these all day mm. <laughs> well thanks for coming in thanks yeah. for having it was really me. interesting yeah. phenomenal so go find the yeah. uh, precious oysters thank yeah, you yeah I'll see ya <laughs>